I'm Sarah Lee, and this is the Influence Watch Podcast. In late 2021, following a class action suit in which the Supreme Court decided some college athletes should be allowed to earn money off their image and likeness, a Biden administration lawyer with the National Labor Relations Board named Jennifer Abruzzo issued a memo clarifying that some college athletes could now be considered employees of state universities. This memo led to breathless articles from well-known hard-left outlets like In These Times, arguing that employees of the state designation meant potential unionization of college athletes and, as In These Times suggested, a new progressive institution powerful enough to bend the South to its will. This idea gained traction in December of last year when the NLRB determined that the Pac-12 Conference and the University of Southern California were indeed employers of athletes at the school and were violating the law by failing to treat student basketball and football players as employees. Joining me today to discuss sports unions and the possibility of collective bargaining at the collegiate level is my colleague, Mike Watson. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm well. Um, Okay, let's talk about unions and uh, you know, student athletes and what we're looking at here. So, um, we know what unions look like in sports. We already know what that looks like. Um, but this is something brand new and, um, you know, some people are for it. Some people are against it. I don't know if a lot of people have thought it through to the union, you know, reality. So what do you make of all of this? I mean, when you're talking about potentially unionizing college athletes, you're addressing many issues simultaneously. Uh, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I can't go into whether the Supreme Court, you know, correctly applied the law in the name, image, and likeness ruling. But most people are like that, yeah, the players, it wasn't fair that they couldn't make any money, but the school could make money off their playing sports. You know, I mean, you think about it, a guy's, you know, 19 playing, playing football, he could be one bad hit from not being able to play anymore and then missing out, you know, if he's in the... T- you know, real top of, uh, do they still, I, I still know them as one A and one double A. What is the, the, the name of the, of the top division of college football? Uh, I think it's like, I think it is, it's still the, the A's it's like triple A. I don't know if they call it one A and double A. I think they call it. Cause it was bowl subdivision for a while. I, I think it might be bowl. Oh, I think it might be, still be bowl subdivision, but you know, so okay. if you're on the top of that and you're, you know, you're playing for Georgia or Alabama or, uh, you know, one of those teams, you know, again, you could be one, one bad hit could cost you millions of dollars. And in the old days, you couldn't officially make a penny until you went called, declared for the NFL draft. Um, so the name, image and likeness thing most people are cool with because it just seems fairer. And frankly, it is. Um but then that brings in the labor law questions of whether now the players are employees of the schools or are the employees of the NCAA or are employees of uh, the conferences. You get this whole joint employer question. Um, the labor unions have wanted uh, student athletes declared employees for a long time. Uh, in the Obama administration, there was movement at the labor board 
to have college football players declared employees subject to the National Labor Relations Act, therefore eligible to unionize. Um, that got laid upon the table by the Trump administration's labor board. Obama comes in, or Biden comes in. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Same I difference. Mean, <laughs> um, like, on this issue, on this, on this issue, there is not much difference. Uh, right. You know, Biden administration comes in. You know, appoints Abruzzo, who's a union, who was a union lawyer, uh, to be the general counsel of the labor board, and now they have picked it up and are starting to move on it. Now, what that means for state universities, because state employees are not covered by the National Labor Relations Act, but then there's the joint employer question of the conferences in the NCAA. It all gets really complicated really quickly. Right. And I think that, you know, the, 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 late, the update on this kind of, which happened in December, where I want to say that the um, National Labor Relations Board basically said that, you know, you are, I, I don't know the specifics of the investigation, but they found that uh, the University of Southern California was not, was violating some, some rights of athletes by not treating them as employees. And so that, that kind of came out in some of that reporting that, um, you know, will the, will the athletes, will they in the future, which I think is kind of important because it says that this is something that they're going to be looking at. Will they be employees of the NCAA? Will they be employees of the university? Right. And, and exactly how that falls out will determine, you know, Think about University of Georgia, you know, that's just, my understanding is that's a state university. So that'd be subject mm -hmm. to Georgia law. But then if they were also joint employees of the SEC, which is a private company or, you know, a private association, well, then that would potentially fall under the, uh, under the National Labor Relations Act and any federal decisions. So, you know, it's, it's kind of not clear how that's going to go. Obviously, the Biden administration, the Biden Labor Board, and the Labor unions want it to be as expansive as possible to drag in as many uh, potential union members, as many potential dues payers as they possibly can. Yeah, and I so I just want to go uh, stop here for a second and go on record so that I can contextualize all of the things I might say about this. I'm a traditionalist. I don't want to see this. I wasn't happy uh, just with the image, name, image, and likeness decision, really, even though I agree with you that it, it's a little hard to take that some of these guys – you know, they are the stars. I mean, it's the, it's the unfortunate like thing is that unlike in, you know, I, I watch a lot of European soccer and, you know, they're, you know, the guys who are 17, 18, 19, making their debuts in the Premier League or in Spain's La Liga or the Bundesliga in Germany, like, you know, they've been effectively professional soccer players for, since they were in their teens, you know, they're young teens, mm -hmm. you know, they, you come out of the, you know, you go to the Ajax Academy for Ajax Amsterdam or the Arsenal Academy for Arsenal in London. Uh, and then, you know, you make your way up through the teams if you're good enough. And then if you're good enough, you get a professional contract and then you just, you're, you're a soccer player. That's your job. Uh, you know, in the baseball, in, and we'll get to this, baseball's minor leagues. I'm so glad we'll yeah, get in to this. Baseball's minor <laughs> leagues, you know, the, you know, you are getting paid, not very much, which we will get to, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. uh, to be a baseball player. And that's, and that's your job. But with, in football, you know, it was, you know, I, I think did the colleges, the colleges played it first, like they're older than the NFL college football. I yeah, think that's I, right. Yeah. Sure, I think Harvard sure, yeah, and Yale. Yeah, not, not necessarily in the first. same, 
same teams as we are or the powerhouses today. But the mm-hmm. you know the the college game is is older than the NFL, so they yeah, became right. sort of by default the minor leagues, and this collided with the uh, with the realities of player of the players' well being, uh, and has created this this con- this sort of confusion. Yeah, and I think that it's, you know, it's an interesting confusion, and I take your point about the college uh, player sort of by default becoming the minor leagues when you compare it to, say, baseball. But there is a fundamental difference here, and I, and I know some of the arguments that I'll hear in response to this, but they are students. They are student athletes. Minor league baseball players are professional baseball right. players. Right, and, that, and, that's, and that's why it's confusing. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And, you know, people will say, well, some of those college uh, athletes, you know, the only reason they go to college and the only reason they can go to college is because they're really good at football or something or basketball or whatever it might be or tennis or whatever. Right, it they're, is. Still, they're still um, expected to go to class. They're still. Many that's right. Rules so I. <laughs> That's right. So I don't love the idea. I think at a certain, and I'm a former, you know, I played a lot of sports growing up. I I was an athlete in many different disciplines. It was something we did in our family. So I'm familiar with what sport is, team sports, individual sports. I was a swimmer as well. So, but also on a team. So I, 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 there is something different about playing for love of the game. It's different. And when you start throwing money at people, it changes things up, not just because now you can potentially unionize them. And if you look at Kaepernick and the players union, which was less involved with the, than the baseball stuff, which I want to get to. Right. I mean, and that's, but, and that's, part, of know, the, the, and that's part of the, what the left sees. I mean, we mentioned in these times, which is of course a openly mm-hmm. socialist sort of ideologues within the labor movement magazine, mm-hmm. you know, they're seeing the potentiality that a union of college athletes could be a force uh, to advance the progressive movement ideologically based on social justice unionism. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I, and I think that that whether or not you agree with those politics or policies is not really an issue. It changes the game. And there is something about the purity of college football, I think, that's wonderful. However, the athletes themselves would probably disagree with that. They're like, why shouldn't I be able to make money off of my name, image, and likeness? And I take that point as well. So um, it's a really complicated issue. I will say that, you know, when I read the In These Times article, which we will link to when we post this, um, one of the last things the writer does, and as Mike mentioned, this is it, and like just a... It's an openly sort of socialist, and that's not a pejorative. That's what they call themselves. Yeah, magazine. Um, you know, they appeal in the last couple of art, uh, last couple of paragraphs in the article to, you know, the college football player. Hey, you might be a victim of something, and and that's a very typical move for sort of the progressive left, and it's to to get people to say you're not being treated well, which is what happened with Kaepernick and the NFL, which I don't think well, benefits well, the you, NFL, and, have, and arguably not Kaepernick very well. Well, and you have the issue, you know, the union organizers always say that the best union organizer is a bad boss, that a a, a Mm-hmm. A, a boss who does not pay his people, a boss who does not care about his people, uh, a boss who, uh, you know, doesn't respect his people as people uh, is going to motivate them to take, uh, is going to motivate the employees to take, 
take action. And the action that they are availed under the National Labor Relations Act is to unionize. And, you know, th- this becomes an issue, I think, with the minor league baseball players who are in the process of unionizing or just unionized, you know. Under the, under the existing yeah, under, under, union, under right? the, under the, the MLBPA, um, Major League Baseball mm-hmm. Players Association. Um, the, you know, the working conditions in minor league baseball are and have been for a very long time notoriously terrible. Uh, the pay is very good. Yeah, they don't, they yeah, get they paid get, nothing. They basically yeah. nothing. Uh, I heard, you know, an old, an old high school baseball coach, uh, you know, who had played in the minor leagues said, you know, you live off your signing bonus. Uh, I have no reason mm-hmm. to believe that has changed. Um, so kind of not surprising that they would uh, go to sort of any resource to try to fix that. Um, now, for those of us who are concerned about, you know, advocacy and influence, that's an issue because now they're all in the, in the uh, sort of world of the social justice unionism that goes beyond, you know, just the wages and working conditions, the, you know, uh, what sort of medical uh, treatment is going to be paid for by the team? You know, am I going to have health insurance? Am I going to be paid, you know, a wage enough to, to feed myself? Uh, but then you get into things like, oh, but now we have to take all these social positions. And we saw with, you, you mentioned uh, Kaepernick and the, and the National Football League players. And, you know, yeah, during 2020, they be, uh, that players union became very activist, uh, which, irritated a lot of, which irritated a lot of uh, fans of, of football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let me just say that I, I also, you know, that the, in these times article talks a lot about how this would, the reason this would work in the South in particular, which, you know, is notoriously sort of the red state area and friendly to progress. It's been a, both a target for union organizing and resistant, resistant to union organizing for decades. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, right. you look at, so the, at the states that have low unionization rates, I mean, the Carolinas, it's like 3%. Right. And so when you look at when you look at something like what happened with Kaepernick and the NFL Players Union and how they did social justice unionism, unionism, unionist, unionizing sort of work poorly, um, I'm not sure that that argument, you know, that the In These Times are, uh, article makes that this would work in the South to get people um, behind unions is a good one because it irritated fans. Now, it is true, especially in the SEC Football is really important to people, so it's not a bad argument. I'm just not right. sure it's, it's ironclad. It's, what's your, let's talk it's about. what's your point of it's what's your point of leverage? You have to think of this, you know, in terms of tactics and strategy, because that's how the union organizers think about mm-hmm. it. You know, they they would think, and I'm pretty sure this was the argument that the that the writer made, is that you know, if the union at the university of the University of Georgia Bulldogs football team, you know, went on could, could go on could go on strike. <laughs> And in order to get some progressive goal, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, let's say something with, you know, something with police, police reform, or maybe, you know, ending the, that Atlanta police training center that's been the source of all that. Right. Con- Cop, city. Cop city. Yeah, it's been source of all that, all that controversy and the, the radical demonstrations. Uh, you know, that if they went on strike until that was, was canceled, uh, they could 
basically bend the democratic institutions of the state of Georgia to their will. Um, mm -hmm. Or they could just irritate fans and threaten the, uh, the institution of college football, uh, or they could just be, you know, the, the state government or the relevant authorities could simply say, okay, you're all off the team. We're going to get new players. We're mm -hmm. going to get replacement mm -hmm. players and we're just going to deal with it. Um, yeah, there's a, there are a lot of things to consider about this before, you know, any of the NCAA teams. Right. I, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's a classic case of the writer just saying the quiet part out loud, that we're going to try to, that we would want right. this to try to use it for political ends, but I don't think that they would necessarily be as successful as he thinks they would be. Right. So let's, before we move on to baseball, because I do want to talk about baseball as an example of how unions work, because arguably the baseball players union does it okay. They do it about as well as could be expected, and, but there were still problems in this right, last lockout. Right. And they're, and they're generally considered one of the more powerful of the sports unions. Uh, they have managed, right. like, they don't have a salary cap. Uh, they right. Managed, they have a soft Yeah, line. Yeah. It's, it's not like the, it's not like the NFL salary cap. Uh, right. But but one of the arguments that someone made to me on Twitter about this this um, college football potential college football unionizing or college athlete unionizing was that well these stars make a ton of money for these um, you know athletic programs and they're not seeing any 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 in return and I thought you know part of the reason that they have to make all this money or where that money ends up going are to these bloated administrative programs like in these offices where there are these jobs that make. $170,000, but nobody really knows what the job is for. Oh, sure. And I mean, that's, that's a the, large that's the, higher, that's, that's the higher education cost disease. Uh, right. Know, that, that, you know, it, it's not just the athletics departments. It's the whole university system has these, right. you know, all these uh, administrative programs, this administrative blow, uh, you know, and then there's, but arguably, these these athletes could be making all that money for these, uh, you know, for these programs for their universities, and if there wasn't that bloat, that could be going back into building better facilities that they would actually make use of themselves. So that's partly why I'm a little bit of a purist about this. I think the problem lies in the administrative bloat less than it does, you know, the the students being able to make money. Um, I'm also just, you know, I worry about the corrupting power of money. Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> I mean, you know, it's going to change, like, it's going to change the game. Like, you know, the, the yeah, it is. you already see with the transfer portal that that, that mm -hmm. has changed how, how all that, how all that works. Um, again, I kind of can't, I can't blame, the, you know, certainly I can't blame the players and I, I don't, Mm -hmm. the sort of institutional architecture of college sports for saying, you know, a lot of these guys are one bad in, you know, again, you think about it, an athletic, a top level athletic career, you know, maybe starts 18, ends at 30, you know, or ends to, you know, 30, 35, depending on how lucky you are, you know, so mm -hmm. these guys have 17 year, let's, let's say 35, they have 17 years to make basically all the money they're ever going to make, at least playing sports. You know, maybe they can become a commentator. Maybe they can, you know, parlay it into car dealerships or something. But, you know, they got, they got 17 years to make all their money. And then unlike, you know, if you're 
uh, you know, if you're the hot new academy prospect at Arsenal where you sign your professional contracts and you start getting paid right away, you know, the NFL, the, you know, our system says they got to wait at least two, probably four years before they can start cashing in on that, on that career. And oh, by the way, most guys don't make it to 35. Uh, right. You know, yeah. Their bodies don't, their body, their bodies, their bodies don't let them or they're not, or they're not good enough. They're good enough to make the, the NFL, mm-hmm. but they're not good enough to keep a younger guy out three years down the road. That's right. It is. A, it is a short career, and, especially in football, but in most athletics. Yeah. It is. And, and, and it's all, and at the highest level, it's extreme, you know, it's obviously extremely competitive. Everybody wants to be there. Uh, only a very small handful get there. And so I, again, I can't blame the players. I can't blame people who wanted to change it to say, no, they should be able to start collecting on their short career as soon as possible. But I, recognize, I agree. I, recognize, I mean, I definitely. But I recognize that 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 is going to change. That is going to change the game, and it's going to make it more like professional sports. Right. So let's talk about that just briefly before we before we close out. And I do want your final thoughts on, on you know how you think this might play out in the coming years. But you know, baseball. Uh, Major League Baseball, which is getting ready to start. Yay. We have our first game at the end of this month in Atlanta. Um, really looking forward to it. Huge Braves fan. Um, I know you are a baseball fan as well, Padres. so I'll let you tell everybody what you like. Who's that? Padres. 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 Yeah. I think uh, Atlanta and the Padres play this year pretty soon, actually, I think. I, have, I haven't checked the schedule. <laughs> I believe that they do. Anyway, so there was a lockout uh, before last season, I want to yeah. say. Um, and yeah, and Manfred basically uh, just kind of stopped the season from starting on on its regular time. Yeah, it's it what a what a lockout is, and it's a standard labor law governed thing. Uh, is when it, you know normally a strike, the union calls the strike, the union stops working. A lockout, the owner, the employers say stop working. Uh, right. The reason you only see it in sports. Or, or you kind of only see it in sports is because is it the monopoly thing? No, it's because there are certain privileges given to the union workers in a in a lockout. You, you once the lockout is over, you get your jobs back immediately. Aha! Uh, uh-huh. I see. So, so since obviously the major league you know, major league teams want the major league players, uh, you know they don't care if they have to reinstate the players immediately. That's what they want to do. Uh, but if the, you know, let's say, uh, let's say the Ford plant, you know, the reason that, you know, auto workers work stoppages are basically always strikes and very rarely lockouts is that, you know, Ford, if there's a strike would like the option, doesn't necessarily do it. There are complicated reasons why they would or wouldn't. This is all part of strategy that is well above my pay grade. Um, the, that they might want to, uh, they might want to bring on replacement workers to keep the line operating. But if they lock out, once the strike is over, one, or once the work stoppage is over, once the contract is agreed, they have to let all the replacement guys go. And there are rules about which kind of stri- you know, what kind of strike. There are two kinds of strikes. It depending on which one it is depends whether you have to do the same thing in case of a strike. But it is it is much more difficult. Uh, f- it is 
a certainty in a case of a lockout that you will have to reinstate the employee, reinstate the, the locked, the union workers right away. So that's why it okay, that- does lockouts instead of, and basically nowhere else does. Okay, so that sounds good, but in this last lockout, um, what, something that happened that people weren't talking, they were talking a little bit about it, the sports writers were, and I happened to come across and I was like, oh, um, the union had their spokesman, the players union had their spokesman in Max Scherzer, mm-hmm. um, and he went to bat. He actually is one of the highest paid baseball players mm-hmm. in the league. He has one of the best agents who has all of the highest played baseball players in the league who was actively encouraging Scherzer and others to keep the, to keep the strike or the knockout well, yeah, going by happens. not negotiating. Right, the work stoppage going by not really negotiating until they got exactly what they wanted. Well, what that ended up being, what that ended up happening, what ended up happening is that a lot of the players who do not make the kind of money that Scherzer and some of those guys were making and really couldn't absorb however long they had to do the work stoppage were suffering. Right. And that happens and that happens in normal normal uh, I'm making air quotes. Uh, work uh, industrial action as well. Uh, you know, when you're, when you're on strike, uh, your employer does not pay you. The union has to give you, has to give you money out of its strike fund, uh, to keep, you know, keep you involved. Uh, so yeah, the idea, the idea that, uh, you know, a a guy like Scherzer basically has a giant personal strike fund, uh, whereas the guy, whereas a guy who doesn't, you know, a guy who's been on league minimum, you know, some anonymous middle reliever who's been on league minimum for two years and maybe has two or three years before he's going to have no chance of making a major league team. Uh, you know, that guy does not have a giant personal strike fund and yeah, that does change, uh, that, that is going to impact how the negotiation goes. It didn't, it's going to, uh, impact the strike strategy or the work stoppage negotiation strategy. Um, and so then what that, what that, how the, how that relates to this discussion of college athletes is they don't have any strike fund. Uh, these are just kids. Th- yeah. They, they would, they would, they, some they of would them relying, might be making some money. They would be relying entirely on any union organization that came in and did the organizing. So, I mean, you see this with, uh, you know, some private, uh, some private school, some private universities. So, like I think Harvard does, um, you know, they may have unionized graduate students and a lot of them are unionized with, some of them are unionized with the UAW, the, the auto workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were, they're, yeah, it, it, it seems weird, but when the, the, when thanks in large part to UAW demands, the domestic auto industry has been driven into the ground, the union goes looking for, uh, for dues paying members in other places. So you have casino workers mm-hmm. in the UAW. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the graduate students, so they're, they're relying if they do have to go on strike on the big union that now represents them to be their, to be their strike fund. So yeah, they, if, if college athletes unionized, they would be relying on the big union, whether that's the NFLPA, whether that's the UAW, whether that's, uh, the Teamsters, who knows, uh, to be their strike fund if they had to go on strike, because like the guys on league minimum relative to Scherzer, uh, you know, Scherzer's got his giant independent strike fund. He can hold out as, as long as he wants. Uh, the league minimum guys are waiting on whatever the union can get. 
Right. So I think the only reason I wanted to bring that up is because, you know, while it's it's an emotional issue because people are like, I mean, even really good conservatives, I know, and you mentioned it yourself, and I am empathetic, you know, to these kids who they're the stars of these schools and they're not making any money and they're on lunch boxes or whatever it is they do now, <laughs> NPCs or whatever they are. Exactly. You know, I'm empathetic to that, but I, but I think that it's really important to consider what all of these sort of, you know, little arms of what it means to unionize, right. like well, how I mean, that affects and, you. And, you know, from policy perspective, a lot of the way that the laws are, are written and the laws have evolved are not designed for this. Uh, and they are not mm-hmm. designed for a, um, you know, they're, des- they're designed, frankly, for guys who are putting doors on cars, uh, on an assembly line, uh, you know, guys who are rolling steel sheets. Uh, you know, that's who Senator Robert Wagner back in the New Deal had in mind when he was writing the original National Labor Relations Act. He did not have in mind college football players. Uh, and All right. So, so if- oh, go ahead. No, and, I, and, I, inter- so, I interrupted you. And so... You know, applying those, you know, industrial steel sheet rules to college football players. If you try to do that, as the Biden labor as the Biden labor board is doing, uh, or or would like to do, uh, you're going to get you're going to get unintended consequences. Okay, so final question then before we wrap up: Do you think that that uh, it's actually a two parter? Do you think it's a good idea for uh, college athletics, athletic departments to uh, to go the, the union route now that the Supreme Court um, decision has been made? And do you think there's any way they can avoid it now that the Supreme Court decision has been made? Uh, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, I'm a skeptic of the unions as institutions. Uh, I think that you know, anybody who is considering joining a union needs to understand that they are signing on to more than higher wages and better working conditions, assuming those could even be delivered to them. Uh, you know, they are, they are signing on to uh, an institution that is going to support a certain political agenda. And, you know, do I think it's inevitable? I know. I mean, the, the labor board hasn't even finished, you know, I mean, obviously we can all guess how we think that Biden labor board is going to, to go, but depending on how long, you know, how, uh, you know, the future developments, uh, in politics and advocacy, you know, it could be overturned. It could, uh, you know, it could be a case of, uh, legislatures. And again, I mentioned that when you get state universities, everything gets really complicated really quickly. Uh, you know, state legislatures govern state labor relations, state employee labor relations. Uh, you know, they may have, uh, you know, they may want to change how all this is organized. You know, I, I wouldn't call it particularly likely, but Congress could simply greenfield a special law to govern, uh, to govern the relation of student athletes with their university, with their universities and coaches, you know, and, and, and athletic teams, uh, you know, what, what is going on now is basically straightforward political coalition management by the Biden administration, 
which is strongly backed by labor unions and strongly aligned with labor unions. And labor unions want the dues and labor unions want the power to do social justice unionism. And they see college athletes as an untapped resource. And that's where that's where it lies. Okay. Well, we'll see how this plays out going forward, especially if there's a change in, you know, party in the White House in the coming years. I can see that, you know, playing a role in how far this gets. Oh, that would have, that would have, uh, I, can, I can tell you that absolutely would change it. Yeah, right. Like, but like I did, do think. Like it did as, when Obama rolled over to Trump. Right. And I, <laughs> and I, de- but I definitely think, as we mentioned at the top of the show, that this is something, and you just mentioned here a second ago, that they really want. So I think it would be foolish to, um, to not realize that and to not play a little bit of preemptive defense to keep to the sports themes. <laughs> Um, Okay, that is our show. Thank you, Mike, so much for talking about this issue. It's very near and dear to me. Mike and I are both sports fans, so I'm sure he enjoyed it as well. Um, Please uh, find us anywhere you find podcasts and give us a five-star rating. As Mike says every week, that really helps us get new listeners. Um, And we'll be back in the coming weeks for um, some more discussion on hopefully some interesting topics. Thank you so much for joining us. 